in a moment, David will come and share a message from 1 Peter. Um, but before we go into that, we might just spend some time in prayer. So if you'd like to bow your heads and pray with me. God, your name is powerful and it is with great expectation that we pray these things together to you. We pray with boldness and courage to a God who never breaks his promises, who is always working for the good of his people. We put our trust in you in these really difficult and foreign times. We particularly pray for um, our missionary partners across the world, particularly the Cranes in Malawi and uh, for Jude Adamthwaite and his family as they wait for answers regarding his health. Um, yeah, we pray for the other people around the world that we partner with in these times um, as they make your name known with so much to question around them. We know that you're powerful and that you are carrying us through everything day by day and that we will look back on these times and see the amazing ways that you've worked through us and for us during this time. Help us, Lord, to draw really close to you and to be an encouragement to those that you put around us. Lord God, open our hearts and ears now as you speak to us through your word um, and through David. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, we're going to look uh, again at, at 1 Peter and... Uh, we're turning this evening to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and we're going to look at verse 10. And before I read it uh, with you, I just would like to ask you, when, when you've got bad things happening in your life, um, things are going tough for you, how hard is it for you to continue to hold on to your faith? Um, because you might be thinking to yourself, maybe everything I've believed about God is, is not true. Because if he was true, why hasn't he pulled me out of this situation? Why hasn't he saved me from the pain and the hardship? Do you know, Peter is writing to a, a, a church that is scattered right across the Roman world. And they are suffering. And he's writing this letter to them that they might take heart that they might be encouraged and strengthened even in the midst of, of suffering. <clears throat> Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 1 verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest of care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he preached when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Peter wants to talk to the, the church and the people that are scattered and he wants to talk to them concerning the salvation, this salvation. He's just talked about a glorious and inexpressible joy that they are receiving the, the fruit of their faith, the salvation of their souls. And he says, I want to talk to you 
about that, about that salvation. And we're going to focus on that salvation tonight. But before we do, I, I want you to um, focus with me on that concluding sentence there. It says, even angels long to look into these things. Even angels long to look into these things. I don't know whether you believe in angels or not, but I believe in angels. And I wonder what angels long to look into. Because we, we love to look into stuff like the distant galaxies. Uh, as human beings, we build these most intricate mo- uh, telescopes to look in the farthest reaches of the galaxies um, because that, that's what we long to see. Or we, we like to look at the tiniest and most microscopic structures. We, we've built electronic microscopes um, to look even at the finest way um, in which the world is made. Maybe you love to um, look into um, the, the newest um, phone or the newest computer or the newest car or the newest something and you, you long to look. I remember when I was in France years ago, uh, I went to the Palace of Versailles where Louis XIV uh, had lived in all his wealth uh, and, and there was crowds of people lined up with me to look at, at this magnificent palace. We longed uh, to look. Maybe you want to look at the latest TV show and th- what's going to happen next. Or maybe you're in one of those massive, big, thick no- novels and the family can't uh, drag you away from it because you just can't wait to find out what is going to happen in this novel. But what about the angels? What do they long to look into? What do they, what do they marvel at? What do they wonder about? And Peter is saying here, the angels have got this longing to look into what God is doing to bring salvation to the earth. I mean, there, there is no salvation for the for the angels as far as we know. We, as far as we know, there's no redemption plan, even though some of the angels fell. And there's no, there's no plan for them to have salvation. And it's like the angels in heaven are, are wondering and looking down and saying, I wonder what God is going to do. It's like they call each other together and say, come, come together and look. Look at this. Look at what God is doing. Surely it's too hard for God. Even God can't, can't break into these human beings because they've got no interest in him. They're, they're totally tied up and tangled up with themselves. The, the world has got no desire for God. They don't even want God. How, how could God ever break in and touch this world and bring salvation and hope to a world that is so dark and terrible? And they're saying, I wonder how he will do it. I wonder what he will do. Maybe. Not only the angels longing to look into the salvation that God is accomplishing here on earth, but it says that the prophets of old searched intently. Listen, the prophets 
who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently with the greatest of care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he preached the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. So now, the the prophets of old, over many centuries, prophets um, were, were, were men, mostly men, sometimes women, and they were filled with the Spirit of God and they had a message from God um, to speak to the people, a, a direct message now to God. And, and they predicted things in the future. Some things were very, very clear to them. It was like a jigsaw puzzle, massive big jigsaw puzzle, and they'd get a piece and they'd put it in and they'd say, that much is clear to me. But some things they didn't understand. They didn't get the big picture. And the thing that was clear to them was that God was going to send, ultimately he was going to send someone really special, the Messiah. And the Messiah was going to suffer. That much they knew. Do you remember... When Jesus um, had suffered terribly on the cross, had been buried and he rose again, and then after his resurrection he appeared to two disciples walking along the road to Emmaus. And they, these disciples didn't recognise who he was and they were discussing amongst themselves um, about Jesus. And Jesus says to them, them not knowing who he was, Jesus says to them, what are you discussing? And they said, are you the only one in all Jerusalem that, that hasn't heard? And they, he said, heard what? And he said, they said about Jesus. We thought that he was one that was going to bring salvation to Israel. But, 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 but they've killed him. And, and, and this is Jesus' words in Luke 24, 25. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus says, you're you're slow, you're very slow. (laughs) Did not the the, the prophets have said and Moses have said that the Messiah has to suffer? That much was clear, that they knew that. Don't you know, haven't you got it? And and Peter here in Peter chapter 1 is saying the same thing. The prophets were clear about that much. That when the Messiah came, he had to suffer. So what scriptures... Uh, might we look in the Old Testament to that talk about the suffering of the Messiah? I'm just going to mention three. Think, first of all, about Psalm 22. It's actually penned by David, who is not normally considered a prophet, but he's speaking prophetically. And he, 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 in Psalm 22, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And down further in verse 16, he says, They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garment. And Jesus, when he's on the cross, he actually quotes Psalm 22. Because a thousand years before, it had been foreseen that the Messiah must suffer. Or think of Zechariah 13. It says, Awake, sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. So, so Zechariah, is, the, the Lord is declaring that, that the Lord's sword is going to awake and is going to strike the man that is close to him. Who is close to God? Is it not the Messiah? Is it not Jesus? Who is the shepherd? It's Jesus. Or, most famously, Isaiah 53. You know it well. Surely he took up my pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. So 700 years before, Isaiah was predicting the servant would come and he would be punished by God. He would be stricken by God and afflicted. The sufferings, the prophets had that much clear. I remember back when, before I was a, a Christian, I, I was longing. I was longing to make sense of the world. I was longing to put the world together. I didn't actually at the time believe there was any truth in Christian faith, but I snuck in at the new chemistry lecture theatre at the university where I was. There's a lot of people in there. And there was a man speaking, his name was John Chapman. And I remember there was an opportunity to write a question and put it in a question box. And I wrote a question and I said, I hear you talking about Christ suffering and dying. And I, I hear you talking about salvation but I can't for the life of me put those two things together. They, they don't, I don't get it. I do not get it. Do you know here in the book of Peter, even without going any, any further, we can find answers to, those, to that question. How does the suffering of the Messiah, of God's servant, of Jesus, somehow relate to our salvation? Listen, for example, to 1, uh, to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. It says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate, speaking of Jesus. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And then it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live 
for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So so there is a problem in the human heart that here is described as wounds. By his wounds, you have been healed. In fact, there's a a disease in us. There is a sickness in us. That is, is part of what's going on in the human race in terms of our own need of salvation is that there's something terribly wrong. And it's not talking about a physical sickness here. It's talking about something far worse. It's talking about a sickness deep within us that we can never be healed from except that Christ suffered, that the Messiah suffered, that he died on a cross and now by his wounds there is a healing that flows. There is the salvation. That is the connection. Or secondly, listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God. Christ died, why? In order that he might bring us to God. That means that we are far from God, we're separated from God. And so Christ's sufferings, the Messiah's sufferings, accomplish this thing. They, they, inst- they bring us from far away from God, estranged and distant and, and, and a, a broken communication from God. And what happens is that when Christ suffers on the cross, what he's accomplishing is a bringing us in, a bringing us right in, right into the very heart of God. Or thirdly, listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. It is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? In this passage, there is the word judgment. There's a judgment. There's a judgment coming on the world. And and we don't want to even think about that. It troubles me deeply, actually, that that there um, there is a judgment coming on on this world and, and many don't know. But Christ's suffering on the cross is opening a way for us to come in, come into safety, come into security, come in, uh, away from all the danger because he, the Messiah is suffering. The prophets had told it for centuries, saying there is going to be one that comes and, and, and there will be a time for people to come in and find security and safety. In fact, of the prophets, Peter says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. What does that mean where it says that? It was revealed to them they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel. I think one of the things that it means at least is do you remember Isaiah? Isaiah who had had 
foreseen the suffering of, of Christ. When Isaiah himself was called by God to be a prophet, it says in Isaiah 6 that Isaiah goes to God and he says, here am I, send me, I will go, I'll be a prophet, I will go and speak to the people. And God takes him up on the offer. And God says to him, and this is perplexing, but God says to Isaiah, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. In other words, God says, yes, Isaiah, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to the people, but they will not understand. They will not perceive. Their hearts will be hard. And so in that sense, Isaiah was preaching, but he was not serving himself. He, was, he, he never saw the fruits of, of his preaching. But it was all written down in a book. And now we have it and he is serving us because in this time, in this time, there is a people whose hearts are softened, whose hearts will believe, whose hearts will trust and whose hearts will hear and that will, will, will know that this is true, that, that the Christ has died. But there's another sense in which the, the prophets are not serving themselves but us. Because they searched intently um, with the greatest of care. Can you imagine that? The prophets. That they've got the spirit of Christ in them. Long before Christ had ever been born of the Virgin Mary, they've got the spirit of Christ in them. And it's pointing forward to the sufferings of this one. The sufferings of Christ. And, but it, they didn't have the whole picture. And so it's as though in this massive big jigsaw puzzle, Zechariah had a piece and he put it in and he said, I've got that much clear, but I wish I knew the picture. And it's like Hosea had another piece and he put it in, but he says, I, I'm searching intently. Like Micah gets his piece, another prophet. It's like Isaiah puts his piece in. They all put their pieces in, but they couldn't see the whole picture. But they were serving us because only in the person of Jesus, when he came, do we see the whole picture put together. The whole Bible is brought into a unity in the person of, of Christ. It's unified in him. He puts the whole picture together and we get to see it. We get to see it. So we've, we're in a time now God has been planning for centuries, sending prophets, bringing the message, ultimately sending the Messiah. But we are in this privileged, privileged time where we get to see. The, 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 the door is open for us. We get to see that this Messiah, this Jesus, the, the perfection of, of, Christ, of God revealed in Jesus is now held before our eyes. We have got the privilege. You see, all the angels, the prophets were searching, they couldn't see. 
The angels are hanging from the rafters and they're looking in. What is God going to do? How is he going to save the nations? How is he going to bring salvation to the earth? And they see that that God is sending his own son to die on the cross and they are, are aghast perhaps. And they say, no way, no way. God, are you really going to do it that way? Are you really going to expend yourself so that you bring salvation to the world through the death of your own son? And when they see him rise and the glory of all that that is, now that is available for us to see. And so there is a window right now for anyone that would hear and believe and come to the salvation that God is offering. It is a salvation that is now a beautiful and precious salvation. And so I just want to say to you, Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. I don't know in what circumstance this live stream comes to you. But I just want to say to you, there is a tremendous privilege that is offered to us right now. It's a privilege that God has given to us uh, right now in the suffering of his son. It is a salvation that is like no other salvation. Like we just cannot get our heads around eternal life and inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. A fullness of the spirit of God that filled the prophets. Now we have got this spirit of Christ living in us. Know the privilege. Oh, how I, I want to know this myself and I want you to know. And maybe you are listening to this and you never, ever had the message of Christ uh, penetrate your heart so that you yourself would receive the salvation and I'm just saying to you turn look to him hope in him let me pray Lord um, I am praying I'm praying because this world will come to an end one day it'll all be wrapped up and it'll all be finished I'm just praying that this message of the cross, of the Messiah, the one who suffered and the one who rose, uh, would have its appointed powerful effect in many hearts um, and many might receive this salvation and know the glories that that flow uh, from your suffering servant. I ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name.